these guys don't know each other. And when he got to me and my brother, he said word for word, the same thing. You guys are going to write songs one day. I really hear the Lord saying you're going to start a band and do music. It was crazy. I mean, it was like this sort of transformative couple of weeks for our family. And then my parents started praying and this opportunity came and and they just heard God say, pack up the car. And we followed behind these two evangelists. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a exciting episode of the Bass Podcast. I'm really excited about this one. We are with the one and only Leland Mooring. Leland, hey, what's up, man? What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Great. So We're good to have good. you on here. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be here. Fellow Texan, uh, yes. which I love. Are you, you're from the Houston area, right? Yes. So our whole family, um, we're all from just, we say Houston, but we're really from Baytown, which is mm. like east of Houston. Houston's kind of like, probably like LA or San Diego. Every, it's so big mm-hmm. that you just tell everybody Houston. Mm-hmm. But when you're, Houstonians don't call it by that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we use all the, all the common areas, you know, right. but um. Yeah, so my wife's family's from here. Uh, our whole family's from this area. We lived in Nashville for a couple of years, and uh, me and my wife did. Um, but we, for the most part, our whole marriage has been here. Our um, our families are really close, and the support system's really cool to have around. My fa- my parents started a church in Baytown um, about it's about twenty years ago now or more, and. Um, yeah, we just started it with our family in our house. And mm. so Baytown's always been home, like, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a miracle. Like, you know, when I look back in hindsight on our whole story, how God brought us or found us here in Baytown and then sort of opened up doors of opportunity in places like Nashville. And um, it's really crazy because Baytown when you look at it, it's just hardworking people that work at like chemical plants. And so like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like we make everybody's gas and so, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and plastics and things like that. So it's not aesthetically, it's not that great to just look at and, uh, you know, and it's not really known for its creativity yet at least. So (laughs) anyway, so it's just, it's cool to hear, but like I found that so many people's stories are kind of similar. The more I've gotten to know people, some meet some of my heroes along the way. And I hear their stories of how they got, you know, from point A to point B and to what they're doing now. And it's like, you just realize there's no formula to any of it. It's just, it's just hard work and, you know, the goodness and the grace of God and the providence of God at some point steps in and, Mm -hmm. you know, and just opens doors. So it's crazy. That's amazing. Um, so we met through your brother, uh, was how we connected. So your brother, Jack, AKA brother, Terry, brother, Terry. Yes. Um, yes, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm brother Terry's biggest fan. I, uh, yes. I, tithe, I tithe to brother Terry every <laughs> you know, single week. Um, brother, brother Terry is providing Sozo ministry for so many of my generation. <laughs> <laughs> I really think that's the case. That's the way it feels to me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so awesome. And I, yeah, he's the one who introduced us. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. So we've been chatting. Um, and man, you and I have had just so many conversations just even over the past couple months. Um, and so I want to get into just like kind of what the next couple of years looks like for you and and um, just some of what you've been even talking to God about over the last couple of years, what you've been studying. I know you've you've um, jumped in pretty deep on just some different topics around creativity and worship and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, Let's actually start like just by I mean, give us the quick like how you got started doing what you're doing, yeah, um, and kind of what brought you to now. And then we we sent out an Instagram a couple of days ago, just saying that we were sure. be chatting with you and asked if anybody had questions. And the question that came in most frequently was, uh, "Is he tired of playing and singing Waymaker yet?" <laughs> was the uh, was was the question that came by through multiple people. So That's I don't know, man. Amazing. Maybe answer that and then just yes. get or not be. It's still, it's still on my worship playlist. Dude, it's so no, good. I know. No. You know what's so funny is that over the years, there have there have been like, we've had the opportunity to have like two or three songs that have really, really impacted people. Well, first of all, just to clear everything up so everybody knows, we didn't write Waymaker. We actually, right. that was written by one of our, there were so many people that were like, did you write Waymaker? We're like, no, we didn't write it. 
It was actually written by um, a good friend of ours now. Uh, she's an amazing worship leader and artist um, out of Lagos, Nigeria. Her name is mm-hmm. Sinach. And um, so we actually heard her version of the song, uh, like I think it was through like a Facebook video or something like that. And we just immediately like fell in love with the song and then started. And then some other people took it and kind of did some stuff with it. And then we were like, man, we've got to start playing the song. So we were looking for songs to play out in the road. We're always looking for, you know, new things to kind of cover. Mm-hmm. And so we went to do the record and she was actually, we were hoping she could make it there in person, but there was a bunch of stuff with like visas. And so anyway, so she couldn't come. And so we were like, man, we're so bummed. She was like, you guys go ahead and cover it. Just do it. You know? And we were like, well, awesome. So, um, yeah. So like, it's funny over the years though, like there's been songs like line in the lamb or like mm-hmm. where you are and other songs like that, where people, we sing those songs a lot. And every once in a while, there's definitely times you get like, can get some fatigue on songs, but I, I think for some reason or another, Waymaker has not been that way with me. Like Waymaker, is, there's been other ones. Like Lion and Lamb, I've had fatigue on that sometimes where I'm like, okay. And I think partly because it's just like so tough to find like up, like up songs, like praise like, songs that are yeah. like good. And like, yeah. you know, uh, that's like the classic worship songwriter conversation is, we just need more up songs, dude. <laughs> um, but yeah. anyways, so we like basically Waymaker, just given up on up songs. We just, we just start yeah. with like mid, mid tempo songs yeah. in church now. <laughs> yeah. We, we've given up on up songs because we're all so in our feels and we're all yeah, so exactly. emotional that we, yeah. we don't even know what worshiping by faith really is. I, I, like I just, got, I just gotta say, so, I love, I love the trend cause I don't have to awkwardly jump to songs. Yeah. Anyway. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That was so true. I, well, I still awkwardly jump anyway, even yep, to the yeah. slow ones. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what's funny is I actually have had that conversation a couple times with some friends who are like, man, like young writers just going, it's just so, it's so hard to find like new praise up songs. And there are some that are really great. Like I think God is really good yeah. uh, for Maverick City. We've been doing that a lot at church, which that's one of the more recent ones. Um, but yeah, I think the, I think part of the reason it's tough is because like an underlining deeper issue I feel like is because our generation, especially millennials have a, a really tough time singing just about God. We have a tough time kind of getting past that. Um, you know, Oh wait, we can't, we're not singing about me or my emotions or the stuff right. I'm going through. Like, cause praise really is, you know, it's, it's one way. <laughs> yep. It's like, it's, it's just about the Lord and his goodness, his nature, his mm-hmm. kindness towards us. Um, and it does have like testimonial stuff into praise. Like, I think, I think God is like that. It reminds us of our story or like, um, you know, glorious day would be kind of one of those to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting though. I just think it's, I think it's a little bit, um, Indicative. indicative of our generation, you know, in our, in our, uh, worship of self a little bit, we kind of want to, we want sort of like self therapy in worship instead of mm-hmm. just looking to Jesus, the one that our identity should be in from the start, you know? Yeah. So I, I agree with you, which is actually the best kind of therapy. Yeah, it is, <laughs> is to look to him. And I like, That's I love right. singing songs about like God's majesty and his holiness and, that that's the stuff that like lights me up during worship is when it's like, yes. it's just so God focused. Yes. Uh, I, I don't love like the being in our feels kind of. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, there's, I think there's, there's a wonderful hymn that talks about that, you know, turn your eyes upon Jesus and, you know, look full at his wonderful face. And then the things of earth uh, will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So that, those words to me have never rung more true, mm. especially now where we're just, we're inundated. You know, it, self was a big problem before social media. I think it's always been a problem. It's like, you know, the root of all, you know, to me, it's one of the roots of sin. It's just the self life, mm-hmm. you know, living for yourself. Um, and so Jesus conquered sin, but he said, you have to deny yourself to follow me. You know, so it's, there's still this part of Great. what I want, you know, um, and I think social media just kind of compounded that. And, you know, there's lots of good things about social media for sure. But I think that 
it sort of just expounded upon and industrialized the sin of self, you know, um, it sort of just made an industry out of it. And I think that we're, yeah, we're just trying to, especially if you had a problem with that 10 years ago, we really have a problem with it now because <laughs> you're just inundated with so much information, but it's just true. That's like, it's counterintuitive that we think that, you know, self therapy or, you know, would just be me, fo- me focusing on me and my life. And there is some space for that where you have to work on yourself and make changes. And, um, you can't just sit in a prayer closet all day, but at the same time too, I do feel like when I look at the face of Jesus, like John the Baptist said, you know, beholding the lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. There's only one person who has the power to remove the sin in my life, which is just all the self-centered living, you know, cause the Bible does talk about like the, the image of God being love. And so even all of his justice, his judgments, all of that flow from his nature, which is love, but it, it takes no account of itself. So I think, um, yeah, I think that's the really tough part that we have right now in worship that, you know, quite a few of the songs, well, it's, I'll say it maybe another way. It's rare to hear songs now, whether it's a praise song or it's a, an intimate worship song, it's rare to hear songs. It's not as common to hear songs that are, that are talking about make me more like you right. that say things like, I want to become more like you that talk about transformation, you know, that, mm-hmm. um, or songs that talk about his face or his beauty or his wonder or his splendor. Uh, A lot of the songs are sort of centered right now around the theme of victory, like God is victorious. But I think it's interesting to kind of figure out what do we mean by victory? Do we mean circumstantial change? Mm -hmm. Like God has the power to change my circumstances. Or do we mean the victory of God is that he has the, the power to ultimately change me in the midst of whatever I'm going through. Great. And I think that's, that's the thing that I'm trying to work out, you know, is, is those definitions. So, yeah. So you, if I could just ask, you're obviously spending a lot of time thinking about the subject of worship. And I think we want to take the opportunity of on this podcast to kind of intro a new project that you're working on. And yeah, uh, maybe to help frame that, can you just, maybe anyone who's not familiar with your, journey. Yeah, you totally. Take, give us like, just like the, the Cliff's Notes version. Yeah. Of, obviously you have a background in church planting as a family with your, mm-hmm. with your folks. Um, but just catch us up to speed and how has that totally. brought you to what you're doing now? Oh, awesome. So, so my parents were worship pastors growing up. Uh, my mom and my dad were, my dad's an amazing musician. Mom's an incredible singer. So we grew up around like all things, church, praise teams, choirs, like big band rehearsals, my dad was like the MD and my mom was sort of the choir director, lead, lead worship leader. And so we grew up in East Texas. So very, uh, and sort of the stream of church that we grew up in, my parents were, were United Pentecostal for 13 years. Um, and then I was one years old when they, when they sort of left that denomination and kind of moved into more of a non-denominational spirit filled space. And so that's, that's sort of the stream of church that I grew up in and watching our parents lead worship uh, and at a few couple of key churches in East Texas. And then uh, there was, there was a time, a really transformative time for our family. When I was 11 years old, my brother was 14 and my sister was nine. My parents um, were uh, let go from this church. They were fired from this church, like out of left field. It was this whole crazy scenario. And my dad had, hard worker, never been let go from a job his entire life. He was just like, man, I don't know what's next for our family. He was, you know, contemplating going and getting just like a chemical plant job here in Baytown. You know, it's a, it's a really good job, make great money. And, uh, so he was praying about that. And then right around that time we were helping some friends, my parents were helping some friends of ours out, um, at a church in Corpus Christi. And it's this family sized church. We were helping them with their music program. My mom and dad were, and there was a special like old school revival service that was happening with this uh, evangelist, him and his wife, uh, their names are Dale and Jean Gentry. And they're actually, Dale is still doing like an online prayer network thing, which is really cool. And so he held like these five nights of meetings, you know, classic revival sort yes. of services. Okay. And uh, 
we were going into church with like braided belts and khakis and all the yes. stuff. And so <laughs> me and Jack were. And so we were starting to sing a little bit, but the only time we would sing is really if mom could kind of bribe us to sing. You know, mom was like, I'll I'll take you here or I'll get you this thing if you go and sing. So um, and we we did love to sing, but it was just kind of like, you know, we weren't that interested in it. And so I I get up there and me and my brother in the middle of this revival service sing like I think we sang I Believe I Can Fly by R. Kelly. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. That didn't age well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and, no. So we, we sing we sing uh I Believe I Can Fly. And it's so great. I just love how great that is. I'm, oh, I'm gonna God. lose. I gotta get it that's, back together now. That's perfect. So <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so we sing I Believe I Can Fly, and then we go into like I think it was like somewhere over the rainbow or something like that. Right. And so we sing this, like it's this, this, you know, montage of, it's just the weirdest thing, but we sing these songs and then we sang a couple like worship songs, with our family and Dale, like near the end of the service, uh, grabs, you know, our whole family sort of lines us all up and prays for all of us. And when he gets to me and my brother, Jack, he says, I see both of you guys, at some point later, writing songs, writing your own songs, um, starting a band and traveling and ministering together. Cool. So I was like 11, Jack was 14. We're like, okay, cool. Like we really right. did, we did feel the presence of God and felt something. At that time, we were still all kind of discovering the Lord for ourselves. And about a week later, another evangelist comes to that same church and does the same thing. Like we, I'm not sure if we sang, I believe I can fly again, but we sing, <laughs> we like help mom and dad with some of the music. And it was, an, it was like maybe a week later, another evangelist did the same thing. And he, he sort of lines up her whole family. This guy's name is Nigel McNeil and his wife, Kathy, and prophesies over her whole family. These guys don't know each other. And when he got to me and my brother, he said, word for word, the same thing. You wow. guys are going to write songs one day. I really hear the Lord saying, you're going to start a band and and do music. So it was crazy. I mean, it was like this sort of transformative couple of weeks for our family. And then it, my parents started praying and this opportunity came and, and they just heard God say, pack up the car. And we followed behind these two evangelists. And basically for two and a half years, we were on the road as like a family, like a family trio that would like wow. lead worship. And so cool. And my mom would lead. She taught me and my brother how to harmonize with her. We got homeschooling material and went out on the road and oh packed up our, we had a Lincoln town car. We packed up our Lincoln town car. And, uh, you know, it's the kind that like when they start falling apart, the ceiling's the first thing to go. Yes. And it starts to droop. The cloth yeah. ceiling starts to droop. <laughs> yes. So that was like what we were in. And we had an ice chest in the middle. And those things are like boats, dude. They really, yeah. they, they're comfortable to ride in. Mm -hmm. And so we, we just went out on the road and I think we thought it was only going to be a couple of months, but it literally ended up being over two years. And basically for three months, the, the Australian evangelist, Nigel McNeil, these, these guys are still a big part of my life. They're sort of like my spiritual, my spiritual granddads in a way. And so Nigel and Kathy would be in town in, in the States for about three months. And then they would go back to, uh, to Australia Whenever they would go back, we'd get out in the road with Dale and Jean Gentry, and they're from Texas. And and uh, those two years really changed the course, I think, of our entire family. Um, it was it was either hilarious, like really funny stuff was happening, you know, you just all you have to do is like laugh at it, or uh, yeah, or it was just like actually the Lord. It was like really something amazing. So that's, that's just sort of how it was. And in those two years, that's when I started in these kind of environments of like revival old school services. It was in these environments of like the presence of God, because there's a lot of times where we would just wait in God's presence. And, um, and it was in those kind of atmospheres that I started getting my very first like melodies and mm -hmm. song ideas. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really know what songwriting was, but I would get like these little ideas. I would sing them for my mom and she would, she was, my mom and dad were actually pretty good songwriters growing up. So my mom would sort of like help me, you know, uh, mold the melody and shape the melody a little bit. And then my dad, 
and she would actually help me with lyrics as well. She's a great lyricist. And then my dad's a great melody guy, great chord progression musician. So basically my parents helped me write some of my first songs right there out in the road. And then we came home after those two years, started a church in Baytown. Um, we actually didn't know what we were going to do next. When we first came home, my parents were thinking about getting, you know, just some normal jobs. You know, we, we didn't know if we we're going to do anything with like local church ministry and they fasted and prayed for about a week. And then God just kind of directed my parents to start a church in our house. And so started this church and that's literally how the beginning of our, of our band, we were just, you know, leading worship for our youth ministry. Wow. Um, the Leland band is basically just a product of our, of our church's youth ministry and right. youth expression of worship. And so, uh, me and my brother were kind of running the youth ministry together. He was sort of like pastoring and, you know, you guys have already met Jack. Jack's a bit of an old soul. He's like, you know, he only reads dead people and like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he, at the time he was like 18 going on 25, you know, like he's, it's just the way he's wired. And so he did a great job leading our youth ministry and we didn't have anything great. We had like speakers on sticks and like a warehouse that my aunt let us use that was like fluorescent lighting and, and, uh, you know, yes. cold floor and metal chairs. Like mm -hmm. there was nothing cool about our youth group. And that was actually in the time where youth ministry was all about like games and like hype and like having these cool youth complexes, like every mm -hmm. big church in Houston oh, man. had these epic complexes for yes. youth. So we were a little bit like, man, I hope kids come and like, <laughs> we need like, we need like, like some foosball tables, or, like, <laughs> you know, we didn't have yeah. like the whole lines of, that was like when a good, a cool youth group had like 30 Xboxes lined up. Yep. <laughs> just like, just yep. go play Xbox and then we'll talk about Jesus a little yes. bit at the end. <laughs> so true. So, so we didn't have any of that. And, uh, we just worshiped and my cousins, we were still homeschooled. My cousins were like, the normal ones in our family that like, we're like, Hey, y'all are, y'all are normal. And you go to like public school. So can you guys like bring your friends? <laughs> so they just brought like their four or five friends. And then it just kind of grew after that. And so a lot of the early songs on our first record sounded melodies, probably, I would say probably seven or eight of the songs were started in our youth group, like in those atmospheres of worship in a, in a cold warehouse, you know, just, uh, just worshiping the Lord and we didn't have all the cool stuff, but we, we had a hunger and a desire to see our friends change and impacted the way that we were on the road for those two years. It really impacted our whole family. And so that's kind of the genesis of, of the band. Mm -hmm. And then it's a whole nother long miracle story of like how we met this one guy in Nashville, Tennessee through a, a, a conference that me and my mom went to when I was like 14 and it was, it was a conference about artistry and songwriting and uh, from a Christian perspective. And so we, my aunt paid for the trip. We couldn't afford it. So she paid for the trip. We went out there and man, that's where we met this one guy that ended up being a key relationship. And a couple of years later, he got a job at a publishing company. And uh, his job at the company was to sort of source and find and develop new and young songwriters that were cool. coming up. And that's what happened. And it's so crazy. And so I started as like a songwriter on a Christian publishing company when I was 15. And for one year solid, I wrote with uh, me. It was either me or me and my brother would go to Nashville and write with really great writers. You know, wow. before, before then it was really only me and my brother writing all the songs together. And we, we, we didn't know it was called co-writing that that's what we were doing. We found right. that out later that it had right. a whole terminology yeah. behind it. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how the band started. It's just really a miracle, one divine kind of relationship yeah. after another along the way. So amazing opportunities. Yeah. Cool. And so here you are today, you're still releasing music. Yes. Um, so it's, we've, we've, our band's kind of gone through a lot of evolution and change over the years. So when we first started, we get, we were assigned to Sony Provident, um, and we were actually with them, the for the longest. We were with them for, for quite a while. They were an amazing, amazing label, amazing team there. Quite a few of our friends that helped us out then are still there, which is awesome. It's a big deal in Nashville because, you know, a lot of, it's a 
pretty much a revolving door sometimes. And so see people at a place for a long, long time is a cool thing. And uh, so we were at Sony Provident for a while. They were amazing. We did Sound of Melodies um, and I think like four other albums there. And then we were independent for like one year and tried that out. And that was really hard, really difficult. But we got this really cool worship EP that kind of came out during that time. Uh, sorry, that's my camera. <laughs> Hit it. Uh, and so we we recorded like a four song EP at Michael W. Smith's ranch. Like he's got this uh, sort of farmhouse out with his family. My brother married uh, their oldest daughter, and so um, oh, wow. so we were just hanging at their house all the time. Like we were we were like the random band bums that would just chill at their house. <laughs> they were so sweet. They're so awesome. And so they were like, why don't you just use our farmhouse? So we used the farmhouse and tracked this EP there. And it had Where You Are on it and Christ Be All Around Me and all these worship songs. And I think that was when things started to change. All the, a lot of guys moved on, started to do other things. Our drummer went to go work for my cousin in country music. And my brother went to go really pursue the call of, his, call of God in his life to be a, a pastor. Mm-hmm. And um, started that. And then that's kind of the band went through another evolution and another change. And me and Casey are kind of like the core songwriters now. Uh, Casey Moore is, uh, was just a guitar player in our band for a long time, kind of hired musician. And then over the course of time, about 11, 12 years, we just became the best friends. And, and uh, God just said, keep going. He just said, I'm going to, I'm going to bring younger guys around you and, you'll go from being the baby to the, to the old guy in the band and get to kind of minister and pour into them. And so that started in 2015. And so we're kind of in this latest, like uh, change with the band since about 2015, we've had a, a new group of guys around us that travel out with us that are some of my closest friends. And um, Casey and I have been writing now since about 2015 together, all the songs and, um, and uh, yes, yeah, so that's, that's sort of like where we are now. We we're currently, assigned as artists to integrity and um man we love them we were with bethel for a little bit and had a good time there met a lot of really great people and uh, made a lot of good relationships and friendships and uh but our last record was with integrity our current label and did a did a record called better word with them and then uh working on on this new project with them right now so we're really excited yeah cool I love yeah. your stuff on um, the Moments record with Bethel, man. It was so beautiful. Yes. Loved it. Oh, man. They're, it's so cool how they, they sort of had that vision to just capture everything. They're sort of like a – it's awesome. It's like a self-contained space there where they can just press the red button anytime and capture some of the coolest mm. moments in worship, you know. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it was a great culture to be a part of. And yep. I learned a lot from from Brian and the whole team there when we were there for the short time we were. Yep. Um, it just started raining outside, so I don't know if you guys can hear that or not. But um, oh, just barely. That, that sounds lovely. Rain. We it's, don't. Yeah, we don't know what might, that is. Might in LA. put some people to sleep. Yeah. That's um, true. Yeah, it's something called moisture yeah. that yeah. drops from the sky. We, we know we nothing know about is. that. <laughs> so okay, so maybe tell us about this new project that you're working on, and just some of what you have jumped into in terms yes. of what you've been reading, studying, praying about yeah. over the last uh, couple of years. Because when we first chatted, I thought that story was just so incredible. Man. And and yeah, so just give us like the, totally. the, the explanation of all that. Sure. Well, for the last like 15 years of, of like being a songwriter and an artist and a worship leader um, and I've always loved the local church. I've always had, and I'll, I always will be, I feel like a, a local church guy in a lot of ways and that I'm passionate about seeing that healthy and um, seeing that grow. Uh, but at the same time over the years, there's always been another side of me that um, sort of feels split down the middle. The other part of me really, really loves uh, artistry and creativity. And I've always tried to figure out kind of where those things intersect or how they're different or um, that part of my life that's that loves metaphor, that loves allegory and those things, that kind of deep artistic storytelling things. That part of my life is, um, has always been interesting to me. And I've always, I've always met God there in a really cool way. And over the years, it seems like the Lord's kind of given us a lot of influence in 
in this in the platform of local church kind of corporate worship. Um, and in the past like four or five years, God's kind of helped sort of bring some clarity and wisdom in my own life, personally on my own journey, about the differences between those two things, um, that they are kind of unique to themselves, um, but they are, but they're both worship unto the Lord. And those two things, I would kind of classify them now. Language helps me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, the two kind of words that I like to use is the differences between Levitical worship, like what we would call now corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Um, Levitical worship is the way I would like to put it, just worship for the gathering of the believers or for the temple, for the gathering, the meeting place. Mm-hmm. And then the other language I like to use is is the the, the artist storyteller, really, to me, is and that would be the other side. A friend of mine just said this recently, and I, I so sympathize with this, that it's not really a bifurcation. They're, they're, for a while, I kind of saw them as two separate boxes, but, but it really isn't that way. It's more of like a continuous line. Mm. And on, on one end, you have what we would call corporate worship or high worship. The old church called it high worship and low worship. High worship being this worship that is aimed at the Lord, that is for the express purpose of when believers gather together. And so that could be visual art, that could be um, musical, obviously. But then the other side of that line, if you move the other way, would be, to me, I would call it storytelling, which is the artistic calling. Um, and and that's something where you, you know, through any form of art, you take the everyday stuff of life, that we all go through because we're all humans and uh, things like suffering and pain or falling in love with someone or, you know, sticking through the hard stuff in friendship or um, really pick any, any expression or things that we walk through in life and wrapping that in some kind of story and infusing it with things that are good, you know, true and beautiful. You know, the old Catholic church had the transcendental attributes of the nature of God. They talked about goodness, truth, and beauty. And, I think the the artistic calling is it's sort of like telling parables, you know, like when Jesus did that, he would he would wrap a kingdom truth and a story that uh that you know farmers could understand, you know, and tell a story about losing a sheep and then going and leaving the ninety nine to find the one that went missing. And for those who were like sheep herders and and you know, they kind of understood, yeah, I, I totally get that. And the disciple, it's really interesting because the disciples asked Jesus later, they were like, you know, what, uh, you know, why do you speak in parables? You know? And he was like, well, so that seeing they might not see, hearing they might not understand. And it seems a little harsh, but you, you, you end up looking at later. He's like, you know, the keys to the kingdom have been given to you guys. And, and so here's what these parables mean. And it was so that those who, you know, I heard someone say that the reason that Jesus spoke in parables was so that those who didn't want him and who weren't really looking for, weren't even interested, they they wouldn't find him. But the ones who are actually searching for truth, searching for the answer, that they would dig out those truths and the parables that Jesus was teaching and find him, start that journey of discovering him. And so, um, yeah, so I've, I've always had a bit of a conflict in my own life of trying to figure out where do these two things, where do they cross-pollinate and where do they live in their own territory and in my own life? And then what's its role in the kingdom? You know, what's its purpose in the kingdom? And um, so the last couple of years, God's brought a lot of clarity there. And so our, our last record we did, Better Word, um, God was really speaking a lot of this stuff around then. And music is a bit seasonal, I've realized, come to realize over the years, especially songwriting. And I was in a season where almost everything that was coming out of me in these times of worship with the Lord or times of inspiration, it, it, it almost all sounded like something I could sing at a Bible study or something I could sing on Sunday morning with my home church. And, um, so it was just natural. That's what was flowing out. And so we, we got into some songwriting sessions with friends that we really trust and believe and, and believe in. And, and we, God gave us a really strong vision for that record and said, Hey, you know, make a record for the gathering of the believers, that it's something that, you know, we wanted a, single mother that runs a Bible study at home to be able to learn the song easily and sing it. And we wanted a 15 year old worship leader that leads worship at their youth group to be able to learn the song and play it. And, um, so that was the whole heart behind the record. It was 
one of the first times, it was one of the first that I really felt so clear about what we were doing. And it just brought so much peace throughout the process. I wasn't, there was no confliction, you know, I wasn't trying to like squeeze something into another thing. And then when, uh, when 2020 hit, uh, that was insane. You know, all of us, I'm sure like you guys too, the whole world stopped and everybody's trying to figure out what was going on. And Mm -hmm. it was a bit of, it was a good crisis, I think for me, because it it really sent me into pursuing, pursuing Jesus. Like I never had before. I, I started dealing with some of my very first kind of like anxiety attacks in that year. I'd never had those before. I really didn't even know what those, I mean, I knew what they were, but I'd never experienced one before. And, um, and my wife was like, I think you think that was an anxiety attack. And so I started meeting, I started meeting Jesus again, um, in my house at my piano, um, in the old Testament and in Psalms, I just started encountering the Lord again, afresh and anew in those places. And I wasn't trying to write songs in those places. I was just, I was just all of, I was just singing the Psalms. I was like, I'm just going to sing the word of God, you know? And, uh, this is like in the height of everything, like in the middle of late 2020, getting into 2021. And, um, God just started giving me these little songs at my piano that sounded more like short stories than they did necessarily like these big theological declarations unto the Lord of corporate worship. And I was loving them and I was meeting Jesus in them and encountering the Lord, but I was also really scared because I was like, you know, this sounds pretty left of center and I don't know what to do with it. And then over the course of time, got that one thing turned into like nine or 10 song ideas that um, we're all kind of in this space. And we started praying and pursuing the Lord, me and Casey together about what was next for us. And God really gave us this picture of, you know, how to shoot and how to do this, this next project. And it was a big ask. So we were kind of nervous going to our label, like, you know, Hey, here's what God's put on our heart. And it's going to be probably a pretty big left hand, left hand turn from our last record. Mm-hmm. And, um, and thank, thank the Lord that we're on a we're on a label that actually really, really believes in vision if God's given you one. You know, if God's given you vision, they're like, we'll go to bat for you all the way. Mm. Like, and so we have to we just have the best team in the world. And so we God gave us this uh brought me to Psalms 46. And mm. in Psalm 46, it, it it's one of my favorite passages of scripture now. And it just talks the whole thing's about chaos and it's about mm you know, nations rising and falling and mountains falling into the sea. And, um, and in the, right in the middle of it, it says there's a, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God and the Lord is in her midst and she will not be moved. And obviously that's a talking about the people of God, the body of Christ. And at least that's the way I read it. And it's talking about the body of Christ that in the midst of chaos, in the midst of destruction, there's always, God always has a people in a city in the midst of what feels like Babylon. He always has a people there. Um, and the city of God is not a place, but it's a people. And, um, so I just started experiencing such peace in the presence of God in the midst of everything that was going on in the world, I started experiencing peace in God's presence and his word. And it was kind of coming out manifesting in these little short storied songs and so, yeah, so our, the, our, our new record, uh, the title of our new record is called City of God. And um, we recorded it live with some of our, with some musicians we've always wanted to record with, some of my favorite singers that are from Houston that I've always wanted to sing with. And we just got in a room uh, live with no audience cool. and uh, and took this big leap of faith and did this record. And so... I'm so excited to share it with everybody and I'm really nervous about it, <laughs> but I'm also like really excited about it. I actually haven't been this nervous in a long time. I think it's wow. a good thing though. I think that means you believe in something a lot. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the road I've been on. And I feel like, I feel like there is, there's a tribe of people that exists within a, a greater tribe of the body of Christ. There's a, there's a tribe of people that exist within the body of Christ that to me are 
they still love Jesus. They still love the church. Um, they haven't fully deconstructed from it, from everything. Um, if they have some good things have been reconstructed in their place that are biblical, they love the Lord, but they, they sit on that other side of the line, you know, and they, they live in that metaphor and allegory space. They, uh, they see things in stories and then when they create, whether it's music or any other form of art, it comes out in this sort of storytelling form. And they're trying to sort of find their footing in the body of Christ. I've had so many conversations with them. And um, especially with the advent of this new wave of worship music, and even in some ways, the industrialization of it, mm-hmm. um, they can there can be sort of this pressure, especially if you're musical and what you write, you know, sounds like R&B or pop or country. And, you know, you, you love Jesus, but you're just trying to go, man, all of my friends are, are hopping onto these, you know, to be a part of these worship movements and God's using them and doing lots of great things. But you can sort of try to, you can try to morph yourself into something else that, that God really hasn't created you to be. And because I've learned over the years that I feel like success in the kingdom is way different than, than culture's definition of it. I feel like success in the kingdom is just obedience, you know, just being obedient to what you hear God telling you to do and who God's created you to be. Um, cause in him we have our identity. And so, um, so that's kind of where I'm at now. I feel like torn between these two worlds in a really good way. Um, one there's foot. A, there's a big group of people out, outside our room singing happy birthday right now. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's so all good. That's all good. I heard it. I heard oh, it, but did. I was chugging. I'm, I was Sick. chugging away, man. Happy birthday is what a great song. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, actually that's, that's actually one of the oldest, that's one of the oldest melodies that we have here in the States. Uh, Ray Hughes is talking about how that song was written. That was song was written, I think by a school teacher. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Like, it was like in the pilgrimage time. It must have been like 1700s or something like that. There was a young boy apparently that was like, he was he was basically one of the poorest kids in the community. And he came from a really hard background. All the kids loved him and it was his birthday that day. And so she just wrote a wow. melody and a song for the kids to learn and sing for him. And then they started doing it every year for all the other kids' birthdays. And then it just took off. Isn't that weird? That's so crazy how like, you know, before, uh, before the commercialization of, and a whole economy around music, this, this one song took off. And now like, it is weird too, because you can get a whole room of people that are like, half of them are, have, have good sense of melody and the other half of the room, you know, Mm -hmm. have no pitch reference at all or, (laughs) And you can get them, and and at some point, the first couple of lines are a little shaky, but then yeah. eventually, all fifty people sort of wind up in the correct key, and they yeah. find it. And that's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, along with this record, Leland, uh, you're also kicking off a, a podcast to go alongside its release. Yes, yes, I'm so excited. Um, the podcast title is not very original, but it's going to be called the Leland Podcast. <laughs> Great. And so super, super you know, easy to find. <laughs> super hey, it will be easy to find. That's exactly the right. The marketing folks say that's the that's the best way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they it, they have had, to have their sway in some way. You know what? And I had exactly you gotta appease in some way. I I think I had some other more artistic ideas, but I was like, you know, let's just let's just move it in this direction. I think my uh yeah, my heart behind it is I think I think it needs to be a long conversation because I feel like for the last five to six years, I've been having conversations like this or around this topic with some of my closest friends, whether they're in, in the, in the industry or outside of it. And it's every time I have it, it's sort of like dry wood, you know, on a fire, you know, just it, it's an, it's an endless conversation. And when you get with people whose hearts burn that same way, you can talk about it for about four hours and until your, until your voice starts to go out, you know? And so, um, I just like, I was like, man, I, I, I think this needs to be a recorded conversation that just continues with different ones in the body of Christ who kind of feel similar. And I, I love the language of both of those worlds. I love the language of the storytellers and artists and uh, talking about narrative and all of that. And I love also sitting with, with those who have a heart for the local church and 
their expressions tend to tend to be focused on the gathering of the believers. I think there's value in both. And my heart is just to hope, hopefully help, help just be another voice in that conversation and play my part in the, in the body, you know? So. Yeah. I love that. I'm really, I'm really excited. Yeah. This is going to be so fun. And we're, so as, um, vast, we're launching this fall, uh, about, five or six new shows and the Leland Mooring show is going to be one of them. Yeah. Making this happen together, which I'm so stoked about. And we're going to start recording episodes here fairly soon. Um, And here's why I'm really excited about this. And this was actually just Leland, as you were talking just now. Um, So this may sound random, but it does connect a couple of my favorite filmmakers. They're called the Duplass brothers, a couple Texas, Texas brothers. And uh, I'm a massive film storytelling nerd in that yes. in that side of, of the story. And I love their stuff because they started making these movies for $50,000, $10,000 that they you know borrowed from their parents or whatever. And I was listening to an interview with them recently and someone asked them like, I'm a creative, I'm an artist. What kind of stuff should I write? What kind of stuff should I, what kind of story should I tell? And they said, you want to tell the stories that keep you and your friends up late at night mm. talking Great. so yes. you know you're yeah. in your 30s you got kids and you've got work yet you're around a table yeah. with some of your friends and next thing you know it's 2 a.m and mm-hmm. you're like man yeah. i'm gonna be tired tomorrow mm-hmm. but i'm so glad we've been having mm-hmm. this four-hour conversation and just like <laughs> hearing you talk about yes uh what you're trying to do and knowing some of the guests that you're gonna bring on and the conversations you're gonna have i'm like i'm really excited and i think that there is so many people uh, in the body of Christ that are going to be like, man, this is what I've been, these are the conversations I've been waiting to listen yeah. to and participate in. And you have such, like, we've talked for so many, for hours about this stuff. And you're just such a well of not just wisdom, but also passion. Um, and you do have such a heart for this. So I'm like, I couldn't be more excited. Well, I'm, I'm so pumped about it. I'm so pumped about it. I, I think that I, I can't wait. I'm thankful for our, our friendship with you guys and, and getting to walk down some new territory together. It's going to be really awesome. I, um, yeah, I think that I've, cause I've really, I've really asked the Lord for quite a while now, the past few years, just kind of going, God, you know, what's the next, what's the next chapter for, uh, for our family, for our life. And what's the part that you want me to play in in the body of Christ? You know, I don't want to try to be someone I, you haven't caught, created me to be. Mm-hmm. And, I do feel like a, a bit of a chameleon in that I'm I'm sort of the role I'm supposed to play is this is to sit kind of in between these two worlds and and to help bring you know hopefully help foster some great conversations and um, help input my own passion things the Lord's been speaking to me about it um, and then just kind of go on a, a journey of discovery with people about it um, with a biblical worldview and a biblical context uh, for what it means because I think we have. We have sort of like a crisis of identity right now, I think, between um, what we mean by worship and then what what the Word of God has to say about worship and what we mean, mean about artistry and what the Bible has to say about creativity and artistry. And I just think that there's we the kingdom of God has such cool definitions and and. God always has the best definition. His definition is always true. And so it's like, I, I want to follow what the kingdom has to say about those things and not just the spirit of the age. And, um, great. So I, I think that, I think that we're going to need it. I think that like, um, you know, the way we do life is really, really changing and the way we do work is changing. I think in the next, to me, it seems like in the next 50 to 100 years, it's, I, I really see it being a, a big, important part of, of the local church that, that we have a theological understanding and sort of reclaim some of the, some of the heritage that we have in the church. We have, a, we have a rich history in the church, especially in the mainline traditions and, and the Orthodox traditions of a high value of uh, storytelling and, and other art forms. And I, I feel like we need to kind of reclaim that history again. We sort of, we sort of deviated a, a little bit. You know, there was a lot of good things about the Reformation, but one of the challenges was we kind of lo- sort of laid that down a little bit. That that um, rich part of our of our expression of worship towards the Lord, and I think um, we're going to need it. You know, it seems like the whole 
the, the conversation shifting now from, you know, when I was 15, it seemed like our, our generation, like young millennials, and we tend to, you know, have a, a, a big fascination of the whole conversation around, you know, naturalism versus theism. And it was all scientific kind of inquiries about, you know, the existence of God and all of that. <laughs> it seems like it's changed now. Everyone is, is, um, this newer generation, they don't have a problem believing, I don't think as much in, in, in the supernatural or even having talking about things like a spiritual journey. You know, I think it's just trying to figure out who are we talking about when we, <laughs> mm -hmm. when we talk about those things. And so I think that, I think that, um, artistry and storytelling has a, it's C.S. Lewis said it this way. It was like, you know, when I try to debate someone just using intellect and rationality, it's kind of like trying to fight a fire breathing dragon, you know, head on. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's, it's almost an impossible project. It's not, you know, people's minds can be changed, but it's, it's a lot harder. Um, but if I'm, if I was to use storytelling or creativity or, or the arts, it's kind of like going behind the dragon and cutting its head off. It just, it gets straight to the person's soul you know uh, we forget that we're all still human you know and we're all going through the tragedy of life you know there's there's lots of good things and beautiful things about life but man as soon as you whatever that age is for you when you start getting confronted with suffering and pain and mm -hmm. all those things you i love what andy had to say when he was on with you guys you do need a, a broader and deeper narrative that you see your whole world a, a deeper worldview than and I think a, a biblical definition of, of what the gospel is, you know, when you're confronted with those things in life, because it's filled with all sorts of evil. And I think that, I think that creativity and artistry has an ability to deal with those things and have those kinds of conversations, whether it's through filmmaking or through, um, or through a record or through songs that sometimes we, we don't, we don't have the best language for on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's not that it can't happen. It's just that I feel like we're sort of doing two different things that are really, really important. You know, Jesus, he said, you know, it is finished on the cross. He, he, I feel like that's kind of what we do on Sunday morning. We're, we're declaring the, the alien parts of our walk with God. You know, there's Paul said, I'm like, you know, we're aliens in this world We're uh, we're citizens of another kingdom. So there are things about our walk with God that are in, in my view, very supernatural, you know, uh, to be absent in the body, to be present with the Lord, you know, I'm going to be, there's no fear of death anymore. There's, uh, we're going to spend eternity with God, endless ages with the Lord. There is an age to come. And so there's all these things that are very big and very supernatural uh, because God is supernatural and we, we serve an amazing God. And I think at the same time though, he still became a man, you know, and Clement, uh, Clement of Rome, he was one of the disciples of Paul. And so he took over the, was one of the big fathers of the Roman church when Paul was, after Paul was martyred. And he said this, I actually have it here in this book. Uh, it's a book by uh, Helen de Borchgrave. It's called A Journey into Christian Art. And it's uh, amazing. It's like a, about the history of Christian art. And she said this, um, she quoted Clement. He wrote his own letters to the church as well uh, during that time. And he was fascinated uh, with the, the topic of the incarnation and, you know, God becoming a man. And what does that mean for us? And Clement said this in his letter. He said, I pray the grace of God would open up your eyes to see that from the moment Jesus was born and took his first breath in the world to the moment uh, that he, that he, uh, that he died on the cross and went to be with the Lord. From the moment he was born to the to the moment of the cross, Jesus was was sanctifying all human endeavors except for sin as worship unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. So now, because Jesus did all of those human things, mm -hmm. everything except sin, all of those things now are now sanctified as worship unto the Lord and as holy unto the Lord because God did them. So it's pretty cool to think about that, you know, having conversations or having a meal with, with family and friends. And I feel like 
I feel like we don't talk about those things as much on Sunday, especially in our music. We don't really talk about the common grace side of our life. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about the special grace and and the supernatural things that God's doing, and and that's awesome. And we need to be singing about those things. Mm-hmm. But I think that artistry um, finds its home kind of in the human parts of our life, mm-hmm. and you know we need songs that talk about friendship. You know, and obviously I'm talking about music exclusively right now, but this yep. applies to all art forms. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to. We need songs that talk about friendship and not giving up on your friend uh, and being a faithful friend. We need songs that talk about falling in love with someone, but from, you know, but that are actually innocent and good. We need songs that are talking about how to deal with uh, when a relationship falls apart, how to deal with that. We need songs that talk about being a parent and how to be a good parent in today's world. We need music that talks about dealing with grief and suffering and asking the, the questions of, why God allowed this and this thing to happen in my life. You know, David did a lot of that in the Psalms. And so we need all of that. And, um, and I just, I don't know that all of that can happen on Sunday morning. I think it's too much to try to squeeze it all in there, I but I do think. Right. And, and like you said, that those two things can be held together and both of them be equally true and valuable. Uh, your brother actually posted a song a couple of days ago on Instagram that I have like been nonstop listening to since he posted. It's called um, uh, "Life According to Life Rachel." According to Rachel, oh my word! And I just so Madison listened to this song. My goodness, bro! And it, but it makes me it it engages me emotionally in such a deep way, even more so in knowing like what the song is about, like her losing her grandmother or whoever wrote the song losing their grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's the it's the same kind of thing that you're talking about. Like that engages me in a way. Uh, that the best of worship songs don't engage me in that way. Yeah. And it's not that I'm yes. like, oh, this is better than that. It's that no, both are no. really important. And I think the uh, I think you're right. Like the future of the church has to be able to like love both of those spaces and see them both for, um, for yeah. what they are and, and what they contribute to the Christian experience. I think where we go awry is where we try to go like, oh, well, we've had it wrong with our yeah. – <laughs> You know, our yeah. love of theology and our love of interpreting the word and our love of uh, of liturgy and things like that. And we really need to just embrace this way of living. Well, no, it's both. Like both are it's really both. important. Yeah. It's both. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about that yesterday, I think. And me and my brother have been having this kind of ongoing conversation for a long time about not either or, but both and mm-hmm. in a lot of these theological conversations and expressions of the church. I feel like, you know, when we come from a, a hyper charismatic and very spirit filled background, and there are so many awesome things that I love about that and treasure about it. And then all the, all the stuff that's kind of weird and funny, Jack has made it into an amalgamation of brother Terry. So, uh, <laughs> for, for our enjoyment, but I think like, I think over the years we were, we were pretty early on some of the first places we traveled as a band were actually not in the States, but they were in like Holland and they were in uh, Norway and the UK. And so we were pretty quickly introduced to like the Anglican church and like, you know, the Catholic church and um, all the different beautiful kind of mainline and Orthodox traditions across Europe. And immediately, and Jack's love of history and, you know, I'm not as much of a reader. I've become one more recently in my, uh, as I've gotten older. Um, but we really just found like, man, why, you know, what is, I understand that there are major theological differences sometimes, but at the end of the day, like it's, we found a lot of those things as rich and beautiful and as things that we could add to our faith and add to our walk with the Lord and not as an either or thing. And so I think that sometimes we can definitely get that way. We have that tendency to sort of let this pendulum swing, mm-hmm way too far the other direction. And um, so my heart is to definitely see worship on Sunday morning come back to a a a sort of more sobriety to be added there and to what we're doing, that it's not, you know, what do we mean by blessing and breakthrough when we say those words? do Do we mean just financial blessing and, and, you know, uh, deliverance from kind of hardships mm-hmm. and, and hard things that we're walking through. Um, and, and God does want to bless us and God does want to change some things in our life. And, 
um, and cares about the hardships we're walking through. He really does. But if, if blessing and breakthrough actually meant more along the lines of transformation, you know, what if, what if we begin to think about that more as the blessing of the presence of God that's with us now in the midst of everything we're going through and the treasure that Jesus is, that he is the most, he's the one that I'll sell everything to have. Mm -hmm. He's the pearl of great price. Um, and you know, that in the midst of everything I'm walking through, the breakthrough of the gospel, the victory of the gospel is that I can know God in the midst of all this suffering and pain and all the things I'm going through. I can know Jesus face to face. And then every time I look at him, his grace and his word and his truth empowers me and, and transforms me more into his likeness every single day in the middle of everything I'm going through. I think I would love to see worship on Sunday morning get back to that kind of focus again, where it's a, just about him, you know, again. And w of course, we're a part of the conversation. It's, mm -hmm. it's, we're a big part of the gospel story that God came to save us because he loves us. And mm -hmm. so you can't remove yourself out of the picture completely, mm -hmm. but, you know, having that proper view of him. Um, and then I think on the other side, I have a heart just to see uh, whether it's in the local church, expressions of it in the local church again, or even just pastoral covering and pastoral leadership again, um, that maybe pastors and leaders would start to see um, those ones in their community, uh, in their local church that have that artistic calling on their life. Mm -hmm. um, they tell stories and they do it really, really well. And they're trying to find their place, their footing in the kingdom, you know, um, coming along, the, come alongside right. those ones in your mm -hmm. church, even if you don't speak the language, but just come alongside and make the effort to, um, to encourage them and disciple them and let them know that you're, that they're valuable to the kingdom. Cause I feel like we're really, really going to need it in the territory that we're walking into in the next 50 years. And, um, so I'm, that's sort of my heartbeat and my passion. I'm excited about the podcast and, uh, the conversations we're going to have. We're going to have some really, really cool guests spanning the, from everything in, in, in worship to hyper, artistic conversations and creativity around narrative and story and how that's really important. Cool. And um, I'm going to have some really cool guests lined up with some friends of mine that are like walking encyclopedias of, of church history knowledge. And that's going to be really, really cool, cool. Uh, to get to pick their brain on that too as well. But I'm pumped about it, man. I'm excited what God's doing in the church. Can't wait. So oh, good. Man, yeah. We're Looking so excited. Um, yeah, it's going to be amazing. When, when, so the album's coming out, uh, you're going to be kind of dropping just some different singles and stuff over the next few months. And then we'll yes. start working on the podcast, but all that's kind of coming out fall, winter ish. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So next month, September 9th is our, is the release of our first single from the record. And, um, there's 11 songs on the new record and about, I feel like probably three of them are songs that like you could sing at a Bible study, sing at church on Sunday, mm -hmm. like they kind of, cause we can't fully remove that from our DNA. It's always there. So, yeah. and, and that's a song. Uh, so that's the first song we're releasing is one of those songs, one of those three, it's called heart and flesh. And, um, it's a song that me and Taya, um, from Hillsong and Casey, us three wrote together. It was so cool. We, we had this writing session planned and we were writing actually for her record in Nashville. And so we wrote this killer, like upbeat, hopeful, like pop song. I think it was called don't give up. It was really, really fun. And, uh, but earlier in the day at the beginning of the write, it was so cool. She like walks in and, and she said, she's so amazing. Like she's awesome. She really, really loves the Lord. And she's a very contemplative person and a very deep thinking person and as loves to study the word. And so she, she just said, she said, uh, she said, have you guys ever done like any liturgy together? Like any, any of these old prayers together? And I was like, no, actually I haven't done much of that. I've done a little bit with my brother, but not, haven't made it a, a good enough habit. And, uh, she said, well, there's this church in Ireland that releases these kind of liturgical prayers every, you know, every few, every few months. And they're like these prayers that are filled with scripture and about different topics. And I think this particular prayer that she found was about the power of your words and choosing your words wisely and speaking life over people instead of uh, tearing people down with your words. And so, so she, she said, Hey, there's like a part one, two, and three. I'll take one. You take two Casey, you take three. And so we just sat there and then 
we sort of take our turns reading this prayer and it's filled with Bible. It's like, you can just see all the scripture in it. And when it's done, it was so powerful. She said, all right, now we're just going to be quiet for like two minutes. And so we just like sat there silently for like two minutes. And I don't know if you've ever tried 120 seconds of pure silence, <laughs> but it's actually a pretty difficult to do. And some people probably find it easier, but, um, at the end of it, it was so powerful. And, we, and then we go into the right and I had sang, a, sang the melody earlier in the day and she somehow remembered it. We were getting ready to pack everything up. We were done with the day, packing up the suitcases, the guitars. And she just said, uh, she said, Hey, she was like, there was a melody you sang earlier that really stuck with me. And she started singing, remembered the melody, started wow. singing it. And then we were talking about Psalms. I think it was Psalms 86. I, I hope I'm getting that passage correct, but it's the part where, you know, my heart, and my flesh cry out for the living God. I long to be better as one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. And, um, and so I, it was that whole theme of scripture, that longing for, um, habitation, not just visitation of the Lord. And mm. so, uh, she starts singing that, that scripture almost verbatim with that melody. And we were like, okay, we're not done. So we got the guitars back out and we started writing and that was a really special moment. So she's one of the many guests on the record. We have probably about, I think it's five or six guests on the record. And all of them are like amazing, like mighty cool female worship leader, powerful women that are just like awesome. Like, and we, we actually didn't plan that out. We had a couple of, couple of dudes lined up to be on the record and they were just like last minute couldn't make it. Oh, so no. it's like, <laughs> so it's like, it's awesome. It's like all female power. They're like, it's so cool. Cause sometimes worship music can be a little bit like bro country, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> just be like dominated by dudes. And so it's like, it's cool to have like all of these powerful women on the record that have these really killer voices and, uh, not just not just in their ability, but also the voice in the church. Like what they have to say is really important, and so it was cool. It was really really awesome. It was a couple of days of like I felt like it was like a heaven on earth moment for about forty eight hours of just recording and capturing this thing. And we we recorded all of it on video, so we're actually going to release all the videos um, as we release the song. So you'll cool. eventually when it's all out, you'll get to watch it top to bottom and. Um, it's been really cool. So I'm excited about it. So September 9th, and then I think October, November, we'll be releasing songs. The whole thing should be out by next year. So yeah. Great. Amazing. City of God. City and of the God. Leland yeah. show. And the Leland show. So exciting, man. <laughs> I love it. We cannot wait. Yes. Leland, dude, thank you for your time. This has been so, so fun. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited about uh, more conversations. It's going to be great. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.